This is a WTOP original podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. I'm your host, Scott Greenberg, and today I have the pleasure of being face-to-face in Park City, Utah, with Pam Wood, a certified wine educator, American wine expert, and certified sommelier. And yes, I did say Utah. She has a true passion for all things wine, a love of world history, travel, and enjoying wine. It's led Pam to her passion in life, learning and sharing wine with others. Since 2011, she's been enjoying and educating others on wine through tasting, learning, and wine travel experiences. Pam is also the Director of Education for the Culinary Wine Institute USA, providing wine sales and service training to restaurants around the country. According to Pam, and I quote, the world of wine has something for everyone. Yes, it does. Hi, Scott. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the podcast. Yes, and we are face-to-face. And yes, you did say in Utah. We are here in Utah. Here we are. So my first question, Pam, is living in Utah, how in the world (laughs) did you get into wine and becoming a sommelier and even opening up your own wine business. Right. Um, And I've been asked that question by several people, including (laughs) my own husband. (laughs) Um, Well, living in Utah, um, coming from California, there's a lack of a wine industry here. And in my jobs working at resorts, always being curious about wine, then taking travel to wine and not being able to find it or learn about it in this state, I decided to take upon myself, do some self-study, reach out with friends, um, hosted some wine events, and then went over to Denver, of course, to take the intro song and um, just fell in love with it even more, studied more, joined Society of Wine Educators, went through Quarter of the Masters for the first level. I'll be honest, Quarter of the Masters is a little more old school. I want to be a little more traditional. So then I did the International Wine Guild and took the second level and literally got off the plane and my husband goes, well, great. Now, what are you going to do with it? You're in Utah. Yeah, you are in Utah. Yep. So I had to ponder that for maybe about a week and go, yeah, what am I going to do with that? And I said, I'm going to open a wine business and educate people about wine in our state. Well, that was 2012, and here we are in 2020, and it is it is going eight years strong. And, and now with COVID, we're doing so many virtual tastings with people all around the state mm-hmm. and actually around the country. And how's that going? It's actually going really well. I think the virtual thing is going to last as a... I'm probably going to do that once a month from here forward. No, I was shocked. I did my first one yesterday. It's fabulous. It was really... I was very skeptical. Kind of raised an eyebrow and had right? a blast. Yeah. I've probably done two dozen of them now in, well, the, in the last six months. You'll have to include me in one. Okay. I would love to. <laughs> They're um, fun. So, blonde hair, blue-eyed surfer babe... <laughs> From yes, California. from California, born in Hollywood, That's yeah, right. and so a how, skier chick. So. How, okay, so I was going to say, how'd you end up in Utah? Skiing. That was so, it. Yeah, I was, raised, um, I was raised in Big Bear in the mountains above L.A. Sure. And then I transferred to UC Santa Cruz for college, but then I would always go ski in Tahoe. Go banana slugs. That's right. That's right. And then I uh, decided to come venture to Utah. I hadn't been here since probably a teenager on a spring break, and I went skiing one day at Snowbird. And it was hard as a rock ice. But it's snowbird. It was at that time. But the day before I was supposed to fly home that night, 18, 24 inches of fluffy powder. I canceled the flight, and I had never had so much. I didn't know how to ski powder like that. 
It wasn't Sierra Cement. Right, we were it used to Sierra powder. Cement. Being from California as right. well, I learned it mammoth. You no. could you could literally you know blow it off your hand like like talcum powder, and I was just laughing, going, "I went, this is great," and it was time for a life change. So I moved to Utah, and, and to Utah. I got a job at Snowbird, <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't have to pay for the skiing. <laughs> So back to wine. Yes. You um, are talking about educating people in, in the state with respect to wine. You have a wine school. How are you doing this? What is, what is your modus operandi for teaching? So I opened Park City Wine Club. Okay. Um, now, it's not like your traditional wine club that you would think like from California or even New York where they ship wine to you. Right. This is a social members organization. Because it's Utah, you have to be a member. So I can't advertise my events publicly. Once you're a member, then you get notice of the wine and food pairings I organize with several restaurants throughout Park City or even in Salt Lake. So we have um, wine dinners. Sometimes we just do flights. Other times we just do uh, tastes and tapas. Ruth's Chris and I do flights and bites. We've been doing that for about that five or like six fun. years. So we have obviously had to take a break because of COVID, but hopefully that's going to start back up in the, in the new year. And then sometimes um, just wine by itself, just talking about a specific region and diving into the history and the culture and the grapes and the characteristics and what's in your glass and what you should pair it with. And, and it's been super successful. Well, I'm, I'm going to ask you, I guess you've just put a beach ball on a golf tee for me, so I'm going to ask <laughs> the question. You mentioned regions. Do you ha- happen to have a favorite region? I'm definitely partial to Italy. Ah, molto bene. Yes, and up in the Piedmont. Ah, so what about it? So I want, well, of course, you just can't get over the people of Italy. The, the people are wonderful. The food's wonderful. The culture's wonderful. But those beautiful wines up in the Barolo and Barbaresco regions, the Nebbiolo grape, the Barbera, the Dolcetto, the backdrop of, of the uh, Torino Mountains, the food... If I had a, if I had a place that said you could only pick one place, oh that's a tough one because I really like Switzerland as far as travel. But if you could only pick one place, it would either have to be the uh, Piemonte or Veneto region because wow. I can have all the wines I like, and I can still ski. They make great cheese. They have a truffle festival. I think I could be pretty much in heaven there. I kind of wish we were videotaping this because the the look on your face, the passion yeah. with which you're talking about, I don't think I've seen that look since uh, since my honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do love all things wine. I, I tell my husband I like I like wine, jewelry, travel, and sometimes chocolate. And my husband, and I never know which order it goes in on any say, given day. Is there, is there an order? <laughs> no. Now, you you mentioned your wine club members. Yes. Do you? do any kind of travel or any kind of travel experiences with your wine club yes um we have been doing travel experiences since 2015 started out primarily domestic small intimate groups only about eight to ten people okay and that way you're not showing up on a tour bus to a winery right you're able to right you're able to and you're not just a couple off the you know even though you're just a couple off the beaten path sometimes you don't get to have that same experience with the owner or getting into the cellars and tasting right from the barrel so when you're a small group and luckily again having my qualifications um, being a certified wine educator and American wine expert, I have a little bit of pull when I call and say, hey, I want to bring a group from Utah. And they're like, from Utah? I'm like, so we can't ship your wines, but we can buy wine there. And they go, do these people buy? I'm like, yes, that's the whole reason we're coming. Oh so um, we get into a lot of doors that way. And we started doing international tours just last year. 
The first one was uh, Spain and France. Okay. And we just had a meeting, in fact, this week on what was postponed from this month right now, September, to go to Italy. And that's going to be Puglia and Southern Tuscany. And that's going to be April of 2021. And we already have eight people signed up for that just from a meeting two days ago and tasting some of them. In fact, we're going to taste one of the wines from Italy today. Fantastic. That'll be fun. Yeah. So we just got to hope the world settles down and they'll let us back in the Let's hope. Yes, please. (laughs) And April, how many people do you take? Twelve? Twelve people. And then I have a I have a culinary uh, guide, and then of course I'm the psalm on the trip. So we have a food guide and we have a wine guide. I love wines from Puglia, and I have to tell you that Me I too. wish I I, have, I love the wines from the northern Italy region as well. Well, I love all God's children. Let's just be honest. But, <laughs> uh, and I have been all over Italy, with the exception of Piedmont. I've never oh, been to Piedmont. You have no idea what you're missing. I have an idea. So, <laughs> That's the problem. That, well, then you definitely need to go. I would definitely love to need, go. It's stunningly beautiful. And we were planning on going with friends. Of course, that trip got canceled. and Like so many. We'll get back. Yes. We'll get back. We will. I'm looking forward to that. So I, I want to know a little bit more. Again, we also mentioned the, the CWI, the Culinary Wine Institute, which yes. I'm fascinated by. Tell me a little bit about what... I, I'm not familiar with CWI. I don't know anything about that. What's what's that all about? So Culinary Wine Institute is like an online subscription-based education system. Um, it has a silver level and a gold level. And what that means is it's wine sales training for servers in restaurants. Oh. And it was already kind of developed when I had an epiphany going to... Um, a chateau up in Lake Louise, and I worked at resorts. I've worked at Snowbird. I've worked at Deer Valley. I've worked on the ski side of hospitality industries for places inside the Montage and the St. Regis. And what I find is the clientele that comes there that has a little bit of savvy education in wine. Mm, obviously, they have a little bit of the funds to afford wine, and maybe they're on even a cellar. Yes, maybe even a cellar or two, or right. this could be a second home. The servers that get hired in seasonal positions, the demographics are primarily college, you know, younger 20s, maybe that 23 to even 30, but their wine knowledge isn't all that great. And these businesses, these restaurants, they're not collectors. They're supposed to be selling the wine. Right. Well, if you can educate a server to be confident about talking to a guest at the table, we've seen wine sales go up 20, 30%. Wow. And so... It started here in Utah, and if you can take somebody in Utah that's a server that might be one of, you know, a a Utah local so they don't even consume alcohol, Mm -hmm. and you can teach them how to talk about and pair wine at a table, that was like, that. this can work for anybody. So there's a need in the whole United States, if you will. I mean, look at look at the East Coast, Martha's Vineyard, when they open up in Nantucket and all those versus our ski resorts versus just any, any resort. So we're trying to get into where... A server gets hired. The food and beverage manager or director, they are already busy training so much other stuff. Tell that server, get online, take this course. Their tips are going to increase. The consumer is going to feel um, benefited. The, the scores for on Yelp or social media from a guest are going to go up. The bottom line for the restaurant is wine sales instead of wine storage. So that, it's a win-win. And they have a jumpstart program, which you can put as many servers through in 30 days for like $25, $27. Wow. Yeah. If you want to do it as an individual, you can take all four videos for $97. And then you get certified. So if a, if a restaurant 
sends, say, their full-time staff even through this course, then the restaurant gets their sticker for their window that says they are CWI certified, meaning that that staff has wine knowledge. They know what's on their wine list, and they know what matches with on their menu. How you, refreshing would that be? <laughs> you must be doing a great job, Pam, because uh, my wife and I have been coming here for over 20 years. And I have to say that it has gone from kind of what I would refer to as a barren wasteland. Yeah. <laughs> where when you rolled into a restaurant and you asked to see the wine list, and they just kind of looked at you blankly or handed you a small sheet of paper with uh, three selections on it, to really a very vibrant uh, wine culture here. Yes, people in, are quite surprised. In Park City, I'm quite surprised. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't, I won't name the name of the restaurant, but there's a, a Thai restaurant on Main. That's <laughs> quite an extensive. They have a beautiful wine list. Right. And I consult with a lot of restaurants to help them with their wine list. And the same things. Like you find people remodel their house. They remodel their restaurant. But they haven't changed their wine list in God knows how many years. I'm like, well, it's time to upgrade and change. Remodel your wine list. Wow, that's a great term of art. Yeah, remodel your wine list. You've changed the walls, you've changed the carpet, you've renovated, so let's remodel or renovate your wine list. Well, before we find out what wines are in your glass, I have to ask you one kind of, at least this is a personal question for me. Being here in Utah, do you find it at all challenging getting wines into the state in order to get onto restaurant lists? Uh, At first, yes. I think understanding how how the state-run liquor stores and how our Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control, DABC, works, Mm -hmm. once you learn those skills, then it's not hard to get wines in here. It all has to come through the controlled state. But you just have to learn. You have to learn the rules. I don't want to say jump through hoops. You just have to know how they work. So everything still has to come through a distributor. So, obviously, you want to work with a distributor. But if it's a small family one winery that makes, you know, less than, I, I don't know the number of cases off the top of my head. But, but small. Uh, but small. It's actually much easier to get their wines in here because it's not, it's not um, subject to the huge markup that the state puts on it. There's really? a, there's a, I don't want to say a loophole. I don't know what you call it. It's just a ruling for small boutique artisan wines. So we're getting beautiful wines in the state and we're not driven by supply and demand like privatized grocery stores or liquor stores. So we've got people on the board that if somebody presents a wine to them, a distributor, which is what I have to go to and say, I want this wine in here, or I want this winery's whole lineup in here. They have to present that for tasting to the DABC. If they like the wine, they will order and let's say they order, let's just say they order 120 cases of a variety of their, of their labels. Okay. So that'll be in our stores. If it does well, then they'll probably reorder. If it doesn't do well, maybe they had enough, you know, was on the shelves for three months and it's still not moving. Right, probably not going to order that again. Right. So it's a very interesting. Now, of course, we have a demographic that goes through a lot of the mainstream wines. Not necessarily quality or good wines, but the mainstream wines. Sure, right. I know so, of what we speak. Yes, and we're trying to reach out and educate them a little, a little more. It's like you can still get the same price point of wine, but we can up that quality for some other wines and get better stuff in the state. So it's baby steps. Baby steps. Back to the boutique wines. Can you give me an example of, of one or two that you've uh, seen come through the system? So Russian River Vineyards okay. is a small family-owned winery. 
Um, they're also going to be actually the first wine club in Utah. That's why I'm bringing them up because this has just happened. Wine, never had a wine club before. Wow. And the distributor is Vin 7000, uh, local distributor. So you have, okay. Okay, you have to go through the distributor. So okay. they target these small boutique wineries to come into the state. Um, Very cool. And then we could, they bring them in. We do a tasting and then we carry them. If they don't carry them in the stores, it's... There is special order, and special order is not complicated or hard. Special order means you just go on to the DABC website, you order it, you tell them what store you want it delivered to. You're kidding. No. Like if you want it delivered to Park City, you want it delivered to Heber, you want it delivered to Salt Lake, you want it delivered to the St. George liquor store. And it gets delivered there without any extra shipping fees, and you just go pick it up and pay for it. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we've just learned a dirty little secret about drinking wine in Utah. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) And again, before I, before we get into the last one, you were just down in southern Utah and saw a vineyard. Yes, and um, very eye-opening, very skeptical, and very surprising and very rewarding. This was uh, over Labor Day weekend. It was the second annual Utah Wine Festival, which that alone just sounds very strange. <laughs> Utah Wine um, Festival. Three words that shouldn't be said together, and right. yet there they are. And I think it's, um, it's, it's definitely going to stick. We have seven winemakers that I know of within the state. Uh, we have fruit that is growing here at this vineyard and other vineyards. And then, of course, some of the juice is brought in, but it's all made, bottled, it's all made and aged and bottled here in Utah. So I taste, I was a judge. I had to taste through some Sangiovese, Tempranillo, Malbec, Rosés, Chardonnay, a Riesling. Uh, we did some ciders and we did some fruit, fruit wines, only, only three. But it was... Um, there were, there were some wines that weren't great, but there were some wines that were really good. And it was all based on the American Wine Society standards. So it was, a, sure, it was yeah. an official judging of, of wines. But, um, you know, one had double gold. We had beautiful Roussan in this state. Who knew? Who knew? I have to say. I, I had to buy some to bring home because I was so impressed. Well, I'm going to have to try it with you. Yes. And then we had wine in the vineyard. We had a picnic and a tour of the vineyard. Now, if you drive down to St. George, Utah, that is the desert. The day we were there in St. George proper was 109 degrees. Wow. And then we'd take off on this road headed up towards the foothills. And we did get 5,000 feet up on the base of, I believe it's called Pine Mountain. And just wow. out of the sagebrush opens the seven acres of planted vine. You showed me the pictures. They yeah. look absolutely and beautiful. And I'm stunned. So the Utah Wine Trail is supposed to open in spring, and I'm going to be one of the first to go check it out. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, now comes the time of the podcast where we find out what's in your glass. Ah, yes. So we have we have two beautiful wines. Um, we have one, speaking of Italy, we have a gorgeous white from Italy. It's 100% Verdicchio. Ooh, Mar- I like Verdicchio. Yes, and it's from the Marcregin. So let's, let's pour a little bit of this. Yes. Give it a swirl and taste some of these gorgeous notes. Can't wait. Since my trip is going to Italy in April, this was one of the wines we had at the tasting that was just this week to discuss the area. And this has just great aromas. Oh, cheers. Wow, I love it. And again, 100%, which is always so nice. Right off the bat, the aroma on this is just so fresh. Yeah, and it has a little bit of an almondy note in there and a little yeah. floral. We're like spring flowers, even though we're moving into fall. A little peach huh? pit, too, kind of. Yes, yes. Or I should say pith. Is it pith or pit? Pith. Mmm. Ah, oh, it's just really lovely. I'm so glad we don't have a spit bucket. Oh, we don't need one. (laughs) 
So this is the first in-person podcast mm-hmm. wine tasting I have done since in the last six months. Wow. Well, I'm glad to be the first one to see your smiling face. It's just, <laughs> I cannot tell you how And enjoy a glass to together. Right? That's the best I part. I miss this so much. Mm-hmm. Zoom only can do so much. Mm. This is beautiful. Mm-hmm. 100% Verdicchio? Yes. And this is available right here in our Utah liquor stores. Mm. And believe it or not, this is imported, obviously from Italy, and even in Utah, it's eleven ninety nine a bottle. Wow, it's fresh and bright and juicy, mm-hmm. nice acidity. Getting some nice orchard fruit in there, just a, a nice. Although I have to say, I'm assuming this wine sees no oak. It, it, to Correct. me, it, it feels like it's all stainless, but it still feels like it's got this very rich mouth feel. Yeah, it's got a little complexity and it weight does. on the tongue, and I have. For me, a little bit of like a bitter almond or an almond paste on Coming there. out on the end there. Yeah, really nice. Yeah, it is nice. And I get um, peach or nectarine out of it. Oh. Super food friendly, too. What would you pair with this? Oh, my gosh. I can think of something. I can think of having a, a nice pasta and actually use this in the, in the sauce with, uh, oh, maybe a little shrimp or some scallops because they are on the oh. Adriatic coast over there. <laughs> like maybe a shrimp scampi? Uh, kind of like, I would go easy on the garlic. Okay. But yeah. So this is lovely. Just gave me a great idea for dinner. Too. Right? <laughs> yes. Wait, yes. You're not leaving the bottle? <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I have another one oh, at home. <laughs> this, is, yeah, this is lovely. Cool. Yeah, this is beautiful. This is from the Garfolio family, um, family that's been producing wines in the region since the 1870s, give or take a decade or so. Okay. And what uh, what's the vintage on this? This is probably, I didn't even look at that. That's Now, that is our harder part, being here in Utah. But, of course, for a white, you want, this is a 2018. Okay. So that's not bad. Um, finding older vintages on the red wines, that's, that's probably more challenging than actually getting wine here is finding the older vintages if you want to have a nice aged red. That is pretty. It is really, really nice. Yeah, 1871 is when Antonio began the vineyard. 1871? hmm So it's on the fourth generation. I bet he's tired. Yeah. <laughs> it's now run by the, his grandson, and if you ask me to pronounce the name, I cannot. Giacaccino. This is just, just a lovely wine. And it's just unusual. I mean, everybody goes, you know, people gravitate to what they like. And that's part of the fun I have teaching. Um, everybody knows a Chardonnay they like. Most of us don't even know a Sauvignon Blanc or a Riesling we like. Sure. When you get to branch out and go taste an Alberino from Spain, a oh. Trebbiano or, or like this, a Verdicchio from Italy, a Torrantes down from Argentina, it opens a lot right. of people's eyes. It does. I remember the very first time I had a Gave de Gave. Ah, yes. And, and thought... Me too. Where has this been all my life? <laughs> right? But, so it's good to branch out a little bit. And when you come to a wine tasting, for example, that's when you get to taste small amounts without having to go buy the bottle. And then if you realize you like it, then of course, go buy the bottle. Before we dig into the second glass of wine, that you, the second bottle you brought, mm-hmm. you mentioned wine tastings. Now, I had the pleasure a few weeks ago of attending your table for 12. Yes. So tell me about the table of 12. Where'd that idea come from? How'd you get that started? Because I had a blast. Thank you. Yeah. And we're going on our seventh year of table for 12. Darcy's the cheesemonger here in town with a beautiful world-class cheese display orders from all over the world. Right. And of course I'm the song that does the wine. We opened a large um, new shopping area uh, down in Salt Lake city, city Creek. 
Okay. And they have some specialty stores. And one of those stores put on a wine and cheese tasting. And they do them every month. And I drove down from Park City, about a 45-minute drive, and I went to this wine and cheese tasting for $75. And I was impressed with the setup. I was not impressed with the selection or, or how it was taught. Okay. And being here in Park City with such a wine culture, especially up here, I was like, why can't we do this here? Why can't I make this happen here? So Table for 12 was born. The educational license for wine can go anywhere. Darcy runs that cheese counter like I was mentioning, but that requires the food permit, and that could not leave the market. And that's what the store is called, the market. So we decided to put it together. Um, I either decide wines and she comes up with cheeses, or she decides the theme of the cheeses, and then I pair it with the wine. Fun. And it's just been a blast. I mean, last night we did fall favorites, and she prepared a fondue. And then brought it out and ladled it over everyone's little ramekin with the apples and the cornichons and the bread. And it was fabulous. And we actually had uh, this one that we're going to be having next week. Well, I'm a little jealous because I happen to have seen Darcy yesterday. She, <laughs> she didn't, didn't it. It, was, it was sold out. <laughs> it was sold out. So we, we enjoy that. And I think it just ignites both of our passions and to share it with other people. Wonderful. And it promotes our local. It keeps it local. And it promotes our local cheese counter, which Darcy works so hard to keep. We love us our Darcy. We do love Darcy. And the cheeses that she brings in, they're not anywhere else in, well, maybe a few places in Utah, but they're not, they're not a norm. Right. Yeah. Well, so what, you mentioned the one that we're, the next wine we're having you held last night for the wine. What's in? Um... Oh, this is fun. And a lot of people wouldn't think of this. Again, we had it with uh, the Alpine cheeses for fondue. But this wine comes from Australia. We're going down under for this one. What? Yeah. Yes, mate. <laughs> so, Hewiston, which is one of the uh, oldest wineries in the Barossa Valley, and this is called Miss Harry. Okay. And this is a this is a blend, and it has five different grapes in it. So let's let's give it a pour first right. before we talk about that, because I want you to swirl and smell this. This is a beauty. Wow! Look at the color on that. Yes. And Although, we are. I have to say, in Australian wine. For a cheese fondue. Nobody and, would think of that, would right? they? Right, and it's a... I love my job. It's a pretty big one, too, from just the smell of it. Yes, it's got a nice big nose. It's got nice big flavors. Um, and it matched up so well with it. In fact, that was the that was the winning pairing of the night last night, was wow. this wine with the fondue. We also had this same pour with some chocolate, so people could see how a blend plays different on your palate. So... Uh, you said five varieties in five this Five varieties. It's... I'm going to guess. Yeah, please I'm do. I'm probably going to be wrong, but I could probably guess three of them right off the bat. Right. Because I'm going to go with GSM, right? Correct. Grenache, Syrah, Movedra. Yes. I'm going to also guess that there is a touch of Cabernet. Nope. No Cabernet. No Cabernet. Well, in that case, I'm going to give up and, and you're going to have to tell me what the other two So are. our last two grapes to round this out are Sanso. Really? Yes, and Carignan. Okay, so that's where I'm that's picking That's where you're getting up. the Cabernet okay. on there. That's where I'm getting that, that green leaf. Yes, so the green leaf or the bell pepper Right, that's where I, that because I thought note. that's where it was taking me to Cabernet Sauvignon was that, the green notes in this. Right, so this is really lovely, but because it's a blend, and actually fondue is a blend of right. cheeses, you can pick How up clever. sweet notes and spicy notes and more herbal notes. And so blends are... Anybody going to a wine dinner, a picnic, um, going to a friend's house to bring a bottle, I try to teach people, we all know Cab and Chardonnay, go something different. 
bring a blend, especially if you don't know what they're serving. It's right. going to go with something because one predominant varietal is going to showcase itself with whatever the spice or the herb or the main protein on the dish is going to be. This is great for Thanksgiving coming up. This is delicious. And how long has this been open? Uh, ooh, a few hours. Wow. Yeah. It's so fresh. Yeah. So we had it last night. Of course, I, ca- I you know, capped it after we were done. But even sitting out last night was open for a couple hours. And that means that the air has gotten in the bottle. So 24 hours. That's, that's less than 24. But this is still. lovely. Great nose on it. Really great nose. Really. And spicy berry. I'm getting kind yeah, of a spicy, spicy berry. Spicy berry. A little maybe cedar in there. Yeah. We mentioned a little bit of the, the bell pepper or tomato leaf mm-hmm. notes that kind of mm-hmm. threw me in that, uh, in that direction. And this wine. 1998 here in Utah. 20 bucks. $20 for 90 points, by the way, for James Suckling, 90 points. So. wonder what I would have given it. I don't know. <laughs> I've, I've, I would have given it 91, so there, James. Okay. <laughs> I like it. But yeah, yeah. it's just the, the cherries and the raspberries come off first, and then you get more depth in mm. there. You can even get maybe a little clove on that back a end. A little bit of clove. Yeah. So it's really kind of nice. An orangey that pop. That's lovely. So. And I like the finish. It's not... You know, angular, it's sort of this beautiful, um, smooth, luscious. Yeah, and no big grip on the tannins. Tannins are present. Yeah, oh, they're there, but yeah. But no big grip, which helps. And this is a 2016. Okay. So remind our our listeners, what is this, the 2016? 2016. It's called Miss Harry. Okay. And it's um, Houston. Hugh Hugh Whitson, I should say. Hugh Whitson. Yes, I always say that wrong. Um, Hugh Whitson. And she was actually, so Miss Harry... Hewitson was a pioneer in the wine industry in Australia before it came of age, the late 1800s to early 1900s. Uh, you're, you're serving us wines with history today. Yeah, well, all wine has history, my friend. <laughs> but yes, I, I thrive Some on longer that. than others. Yes, yes, many do. Many do. And if not, we can drink enough wine and we'll, we make history. So. <laughs> Well, Pam, I have to say it's such an absolute pleasure seeing you yes. in person. And what a delight. And I love the two wines that you brought for us today. Well, thank you. And again, thanks for having me and exploring the world of Utah wines with me. Too. Good deal. Cheers, my friend. That'll do it for this episode of The Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. This episode has been produced by Sarah Beth Hensley. The music you heard is Wishful Thinking by Dan Liebowitz, available in the YouTube Audio Library. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and catch my weekly Wine of the Week shows on WTOP and WTOP.com. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. 
only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.